Our reading this morning is from Luke chapter 11, verses 37 to 54. While Jesus was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him, so he went in and reclined at table. The Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first wash before dinner. And the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give as alms those things that are within, and behold, everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb, and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seat in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without knowing it. One of the lawyers answered him, Teacher, in saying these things, you insult us also. And he said, Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses, and you consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. Woe to you lawyers! for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Megan. Reading for us this morning. Uh, now, there comes a time in life uh, where you maybe have to admit that you're getting older. Maybe some of us have had to, to make that admission. Uh, maybe you'll know what I'm talking about whenever I say this, but my mom has had to, to do this in the last year. Uh, it was the moment of uh, acknowledgement uh, that came when she finally decided to get an eye test. Uh, she was doing everything she could to fight it. Uh, she'd had great, great eyesight all her life until she was 60. Uh, she never thought about the possibility of ever wearing glasses. But it was becoming more and more obvious to us as her family that, that she really needed to get her eyes tested. Her eyesight wasn't what it used to be. She wasn't seeing things as she should. Uh, the distance at which she would read things books and letters was just ever increasing. It was getting further and further away. Um, I noticed at one time as well the, the font on her iPhone, and I just said, that's not normal. You have to realize that the font that's for visually impaired people. And, and for so long, she just wouldn't admit it. But eventually, she relented. 
And she reluctantly agreed to an eye test, and sure enough, she came away with a new pair of reading glasses from Specsavers. Her eyes weren't good. She wasn't seeing things as she should. And the eye test showed her that something needed to change. Now, we're continuing our series this summer in the Gospel of Luke, working our way through Luke's Gospel account of the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And we find ourselves here in Luke chapter 11 this morning with Jesus at the dinner table of a man who is convinced he has 20-20 vision. Perfectly good eyesight. He's convinced that he's seeing things, spiritually speaking, just the way he should. See, verse 37 tells us this man is a Pharisee. He's a man who has a well-worn Bible, a Bible that's full of pen marks, a Bible that's not dusty and left in a corner, but that's cherished. He's always at church on Sunday, at the prayer meeting on Monday night, with his Bible in hand. There are others around him as well who they are just exactly the same. Verse 45 uh, says there are lawyers or experts in the law who are here. They've written books on this Bible. They've given lectures on this Bible. When they get together with their Bible buddies on a Wednesday night, they can talk the talk. They know all the right answers. And these are the people Jesus sits down to dinner with but he's here to show them that they have a problem, a problem with their eyesight. He says, actually, you're blind, blind to spiritual things, blind to what the Bible really says. And that's a problem, a big problem. Because remember where we finished off last week? Remember Jesus' words to us? Verse 34, look back at them. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. See, you can have good eyes or bad eyes, healthy eyes or unhealthy eyes. And when your eyes are good, you're filled with light the light of life. You can see. But when your eyes are bad, when they are closed to spiritual realities, when they are closed to what the Bible really says, blind, all you have is darkness. A body that's full of darkness. And you're on a road that leads only to the darkness of death. And Jesus is here to warn these Pharisees and experts in the law that they have a problem with how they're seeing things. They're blind to what the Bible really says. They believe that the Bible says keeping all the religious rules, all the religious rituals, keeping up all the, the religious appearances, that's what makes you right with God. That's what makes you righteous in his sight. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. The Bible does not say that. Nowhere can you read the Bible and it say those words. You're blind to what the Bible says. And that is a dangerous and deadly kind of blindness. And that, I think, is the point of this story here in Luke 11, reading the Bible properly. That's the big issue here. And so, 
As we study God's word together this morning, let's ask ourselves the question as we listen to Jesus, is what we think the Bible says really what the Bible says? How are our eyes, spiritually speaking? Do we need to sit with Jesus here and and take a spiritual eye test with him? Are we reading the Bible the way it's meant to be read? Or are we reading it blindly like these Pharisees, the way we want it to be read? Being blind to what the Bible really says is, is dangerous and deadly. And all I want to do this morning is show how that's true and show the five ways, really, that these Pharisees and experts in the law were getting it wrong, how Jesus exposes their blindness. And you can picture the scene. They're all reclining at the dinner table. These are comfortable chairs, but Jesus is serving up some really uncomfortable words. And firstly, he says to them, Pharisees, you are blind to where the dirt really is. You're blind to where the dirt really is. This is something I I find myself saying often now, whenever we sit down to dinner. Have you washed your hands? That's what happens when you've got kids. Have you washed your hands? Have you really washed them? Dinner makes us aware of dirt, doesn't it? The dirt of the day that we've picked up as we've gone about our business. The germs that we maybe have. We're more aware of them at dinner. We feel the need to wash them away at dinner. And here in the first century, this wasn't just hand washing like we do for cleanliness sake. This is more likely to be ritual washing, ceremonially washing. Um, Maybe even it was whole body kind of washing, not just the hands. It was a way of saying, before I eat, I want all of me to be acceptable to you, Lord. And all the Pharisees and the experts in the law do it. But do you see what Jesus does when he arrives for dinner? He walks straight past the hand-washing station and sits down at the table. Look at verse 38. Look at how this is all about seeing, about being blind to where the dirt really is. Because it says, the Pharisee was astonished to see that Jesus did not wash before dinner. And look what Jesus says to them. Maybe he's noticed the look in their faces. Maybe he's heard some audible gasps around the room. Or maybe he just knows what they're thinking because, well, Luke says it, verse 39, he's the Lord. He's the Lord. And so he says to them, you cannot see. You think you can see, but you Pharisees, you're blind. You Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You fools. Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? I lived in a house at uni with seven other lads, um, and one of my housemates was really into cooking. Um, and so at the start of the year, he brought in these lovely pots and pans and casserole dishes for us to use. And by the end of the year, they were just decimated. They were uh, cooked with and left for days with the, the remains of food on them. They were steeped for weeks in, in cold, semi-oily water. They were just ruined by the end of the year. And I remember when we were packing up to leave the house, we found one of his uh, casserole dishes pushed into the back of a cupboard, uh, and someone pulled it out, and it looked absolutely fine on the outside. Uh, pretty clean, actually, by our house's standards. Uh, but when we opened the lid, horror. Horror. 
because inside there were the festering remains of a chicken curry with just stuff growing all over it. Horrible. The outside looked clean. It did. It looked all right. But inside it was rotten. We were oblivious looking at that pot as it was to where the dirt really was. And needless to say, that pot was thrown out immediately because it was good for nothing. You see what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees here? It's really, really bold. He says, you Pharisees love keeping the outside clean, but inside, you're full of dirt. Blind to inward dirt, to the other parts of you that need to be washed. Why do you think that that I don't need to be washed, Jesus is saying? Why do you think that I don't take part in your washing ceremony here? Well, it's because I don't need to be ritually cleansed. I'm not dirty on the inside like you, but you Pharisees, you are blind to where the dirt really is. Cleaning up the outside does not make you clean in here. And it's really interesting to stop and think about how we might be like the Pharisees, how I might be like the Pharisees. Because often what people in our culture, in our day, care about most, often what I care about most is what's out here. It is what people can see out here. On the outside, we can maybe look clean, but it's what's on the inside that can be a completely different story. And the thing about it is, it's easy to make the outside look great, isn't it? We can scrub ourselves up. We can dress things up real nice, put on whatever face we need for whoever we're going to be around. But inside, we're stuffed, full of greed and pride or lust and immorality. And the temptation for all of us sitting in this room this morning is to look around and to compare ourselves to what we can see. Her looks, his job, their children, his past, their problems. And as we do that, the temptation then becomes to think of ourselves as either inferior or superior to others based on the things that we can see. Either we we think of ourselves as those who are already clean compared to everyone else, or those who are maybe incapable of being clean compared to everyone else. Do you see why it's so dangerous what Jesus is saying here? The Pharisees, they were inclined to do the former, to see themselves as superior to others, already clean in comparison to them. They thought they were fine. But it's almost like Jesus clicks his fingers and says, no, 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 no. Do not be blind to where the dirt really is. The dirt in your life, the dirt in everyone else's lives. Don't be blind. It's so easy to be blind to spiritual realities, to miss what's really going on in here, what really matters, because Jesus is saying, what we can keep hidden from others can never be kept hidden from him. Don't forget, verse 40, that he who made the outside made the inside also. Cleaning up the outside doesn't work. It's so easy to give people the impression that 
doing all the right things, keeping all the rules, keeping up good appearances, removes the dirt and makes us clean and acceptable to God. But that's just not the truth. It's not what the Bible says. It is a dangerous and deadly lie. And Jesus says, what you need, Pharisees, what we need, friends, is to be cleansed on the inside. And there is only one way for that to happen. The Pharisees would not see it. But Jesus says, it is only through coming to me, through trusting in me, confessing your need of me. Because we need Jesus. The truth is we all do. If we want to be clean, both inside and out, we need Jesus. He is the one who lived the perfect life of righteousness that God demands. Proving that he is the only one spotlessly clean, both inside and out. Completely sinless. And for that reason, he is therefore the only one who does not deserve God's judgment for sin. But yet, the good news of the gospel is that he died. He died a sinner's death to take our sin on himself and to experience God's judgment on our behalf so that we could now stand before God clean, acceptable, blameless. Friends, let's not be blind to where the dirt really is. You can easily try to make yourself look better. You can easily try to clean the outside of the cup, but it's never going to work. It's never enough. You'll be always clean and never clean. Following Jesus, trusting Jesus, it's not about behavior modification. First and foremost, following Jesus, trusting Jesus, is about heart transformation. He transforms our heart and changes us from the inside out. That's what the Pharisees needed to see but they were blind to. Let's not be blind to what Jesus says here. Secondly, Jesus says, you Pharisees are blind to the weight that you place on things. Blind to the weight that you place on things. You maybe can't really see where the weight is here, and it was actually through, through listening to something else that I heard this. So this is not necessarily my thoughts here in this bit. I've explained it in my kind of way, but, but these were thoughts that I had not seen myself. Because what Jesus is saying here is this. The, the, the weight that you place on things is wrong. You place wrong weight on good things. And you place no weight at all on the things that matter the most. You place weight on, on good things, but, but no weight on the things that are most important. Look at verse 42. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Why is this all about weight? Well, if you look back with me, if you keep your finger here, look, look to Matthew 23. Turn to Matthew 23 for a moment and listen to the same words of this being explained in Matthew's gospel account. Here's what it says in verse 23 of Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. See what Jesus is saying? You know how to weigh the little things. You're very, very good at that. 
but you ignore the weightier matters. Notice here that Jesus isn't saying they're tithing. It is a bad thing. They're giving their 10%, which God's law, law commands. But it's not that that's wrong or bad. Jesus says that's good, but it's not the most important thing in the law. The problem is not what you're doing, it's what you're leaving undone. Anyone who isn't blind can read the law and see that love for God and love for neighbor is what matters most. It's the kind of love that, that God is really pleased with. It's the kind of love that, that makes a difference in his world, that makes a difference amongst his people, the kind of love that cares for those who are struggling the kind of love that provides for others' needs, the kind of love that offers friendship and hospitality to the lonely, the kind of love that serves with joy and humility. Jesus says, what's more important? The 10% of your money that maybe comes out of your bank account and you don't even realize? Serving in that, that one area that, that isn't too demanding, really? Maybe attending church on a Sunday and checking off the kind of religious rituals list that's expected of you? Is that more important or is loving God and loving your neighbor most important? We know the answer, don't we? But are we blind to what the Bible says? That's the big issue. God doesn't want all these external practices with a heart that's distant and cold towards him. He doesn't want us to carry out the expected church-related activities while we neglect to show love to our neighbors. Jesus says, if that's the kind of spirituality we think God desires, then we are blind, blind like the Pharisees. And you see there's a, there's a weight problem that the, the lawyers or the experts in the law have as well. Look at verse 46. Woe to you lawyers also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. See what they're doing? They are piling extra weight onto God's people. They took the law that God had given and they said, so that we don't break any of these laws, we're going to add extra laws. We're going to kind of put boundaries around the laws that are already there. They're going to be our laws. But they're just extensions of God's law, really. It was harsh and it was oppressive. It wasn't what God wanted. If God had wanted those extra laws, he would have given those extra laws, but he didn't. But it's more than that as well, because it's not just that they are unfairly burdening people with these extra laws, but then they are not doing the extra laws themselves. They're not even lifting a finger, Jesus says, to touch them themselves, to help the people. It's requiring other people to do burdensome things that we are unwilling to do ourselves. And I don't know what that maybe looks like in church life. I was reluctant to, to give examples because the truth is it can look very different and good things can be perceived in bad ways and bad things can be perceived in good ways and, and so I'm reluctant to give examples but we know our hearts. We know when we've maybe been putting unfair expectations on other people, laying burdens on them that, that maybe isn't necessarily given to us in God's law, or, or burdens that we ourselves are unwilling to actually lift, to live by. Jesus says, be careful about the weight that you place in things. Be careful. Thirdly, he says, 
you're blind, Pharisees, to what you love, what you really love. Woe to you, Pharisees, verse 43. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. They love being loved. They love the praise of others. They love being noticed. The best seats in the synagogue, right here up at the front, that was where you'd find the Pharisees. You'd find them out in the marketplaces, the men about town that everybody wanted to talk to, that everybody knew. And while for us the context might look different, I think we can be exactly the same. Full of pride, eyes on ourselves, concerned with what everybody else sees in us. We love to be loved. We crave attention. Maybe the, the parallel in our day and age isn't necessarily seats in the synagogue, but it's in an online world. We love the likes. We love the followers. We're interested to know who's interested in us and what we've got to say. The Pharisees were addicted to praise, and the truth of it is, so can we be. Do you know, I am... Um, I met a man a while back whenever I was working for Christians in Sport. Um, he was a man who lived, he was from Moldova. He lived in a, a, another country. Uh, and he was a very, very smart man. He was a man who had lots of degrees in college. He was a, a doctor actually as well. But he was a man who had decided that he was going to give up the kind of worldly pursuits that everyone else said that he should go after. And he was going to go to a place in the Middle East, uh, and he was going to teach Taekwondo to people, because he was really gifted at Taekwondo. But through that, he was then going to uh, read the Bible with them, minister, minister to them God's Word. And I'm sure there were loads of people who thought, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're wasting your life. Going to somewhere like that, where no one knows who you are, where none of your degrees make a difference, where you're just wasting a medical degree that you worked so hard to get, why are you doing it? Well, it's because this man knew what he loved. He knew what his greatest treasure in life was, and that was Jesus Christ. And so worldly praise and recognition did not matter as much to that man as what Jesus Christ said in his word. Church, being blind to what the Bible says is really dangerous and really deadly. And Jesus wants to warn us this morning. Because being blind to what the Bible says, it's not necessarily at hearing what Jesus says in his word and not understanding it, having to kind of work hard to find out what it really means. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is saying being blind to the Bible is reading what the Bible says, hearing what the Bible says, and then doing something else. Or it's reading what the Bible says and taking this bit of what it says, but leaving the other bit out. It's dangerous. It's deadly. It's hearing what the Bible says and then doing every Christian thing imaginable, but yet living in unrepentant sin. Or living with an unforgiven spirit. 
It's hearing what the Bible says, but not really being concerned about my greed, my lust, my pride. Those other people, they need to worry about theirs. They should really look at themselves. I'm okay compared to them. No. Being blind to what the Bible really says is hearing what Jesus says about true discipleship. We looked at a few weeks ago. Saying no to self and yes to him, whatever the cost. And thinking that somehow Jesus is not talking to you. That he's talking to like elite Christians. He wouldn't be asking me, just an ordinary Christian, just an everyday kind of Christian living here in Belfast, doing my thing here. He, he wouldn't ask me to do that or, or to go to that place in following him. That would be way too uncomfortable, way too costly. Being blind to what the Bible says is thinking that when you hear God's word, and you maybe do mess up, which we all do, but God is there with a big pointed finger saying, what are you doing? Sort yourself out. You know that's not the way I've called you to live. You know you shouldn't be doing those things. No, that is not what the Bible says either. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He does not burden us with rules and religious practices. He encourages us, he invites us to come and to live for him, to obey his word and to do it in the power of his spirit. Knowing that when we do get it wrong, there is forgiveness. There is newness of life to walk in. Being blind to what the Bible really says is dangerous and deadly because it leaves our bodies full of darkness and on a road heading towards spiritual death, not spiritual life. But Jesus wants to save us from that. He gives these hard words so that we wake up, so that we turn to him, so that we are lifted out of the darkness and into the light of life with him. Two more things as dinner starts to draw to a close here. Two more things that that Jesus warns the Pharisees and the scribes about because he says, you're blind to your unwillingness to listen. You are blind to your unwillingness to listen. Look at verse 47. Again, this might not be totally obvious what Jesus is saying here, but, but let me read it and then explain it. Woe to you lawyers, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you're witnesses and you consent to the deeds of your fathers for they killed them and you build their tombs. Now what does Jesus mean? Well, it might not be obvious to us, but let me tell you, it would have been obvious to them. It would have been scathing to them because he is connecting these experts in the law to their forefathers. He's drawn their family tree and he's reminding them where they've come from, who they belong to. And why is he doing this? Well, it's because he wants to remind them what their forefathers did. They killed the prophets, the messengers of God who were sent to warn the people to listen to God. Jesus says, your forefathers killed the prophets. 
because they did not like the message they delivered. They did not want to listen. They were unwilling to repent and turn back to God. And Jesus says, you teachers of the law, you now build the tombs for the prophets. You Bible people, you try to honor the prophets, but in fact, you're doing exactly the same thing as the people who killed them. Do you know what? If those prophets were here today, you'd kill them too. It's so scathing. It's so bold from Jesus. He says, you're unwilling to listen and you can't even see it. You're blind to it. How does Jesus know that this is the way they would behave, that this is what they would do, that they would kill the prophets if they were here? Well, look what he says in verse 30, uh, 49. Sorry. Therefore, also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute. What are these people about to do to the prophet, to Jesus Christ? Kill him. Crucify him. What were they going to do to his apostles after Jesus has risen to heaven and he sent them out with the good news to spread throughout all the world? They were going to kill him. Persecute them. He says, you honor the prophets not by looking after their dead remains. No, not by building them tombs. You honor them by listening to their word, by repenting and turning back to God. And because you will not listen to me, you belong to the lineage of those who killed the prophets of old. In fact, look how strong his words are in verse 50. This is definitely a way to get yourself excused from the dinner table, isn't it? So the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. From the blood of Abel, the first prophet, to the blood of Zechariah, the last, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be required of this generation. This generation will be held responsible for it all. Why? Well, think about who it is who's come to them from God now. This is the prophet that all the other prophets pointed towards. This is the prophet of all prophets. And now, Jesus is before them and they will not listen to his word. They will not repent and come back to him. They will not worship him as Lord. They'd rather murder, murder him than repent. It's serious. It's so striking. But what does it mean for us? Well, I don't think any of us have ever had the desire to kill a prophet. But maybe you have stopped listening to the prophet. Maybe your Bible has been closed for a long time. Maybe you're very rarely listening to Jesus' words. Jesus says, you can't be part of my family if you're unwilling to listen to my words. You can't be part of my family if you're unwilling to repent and come back to me. You stay part of that family who would kill me and reject me rather than listen to me. Teachers of the law were blind to this and I pray that, that we would not be. And finally, Jesus says to his guests around the dinner table, you're blind to being on the outside. You're blind to being on the outside. Look what Jesus says in verse 52. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves 
and you hindered those who were entering. See what he's saying? Here's the kingdom of God. It's right before you, right before your very eyes, and you experts of the law are standing outside. Outside the kingdom, not inside. You think you're inside, but you're not. You're blind. Right there in your hands, though, are the keys to the door of this kingdom. You've got the key. You've got the way in right there. But instead of turning the key, turning it in the lock and walking through and inviting others to come with you, you're actually hindering others. You're keeping them on the outside with you. You've thrown the key away. Instead of teaching them and giving them the key to knowledge, instructing them on how to walk into the light and life of God's kingdom. You've chosen to keep people with you outside in the dark. And that is serious. Woe to you experts in the law, because Jesus says, you have not shown everyone that the door to the kingdom is open to everyone. That God's kingdom is for all who would listen and hear and respond in repentance and faith to Jesus. If we're someone who maybe teaches the Bible, someone who preaches at the front here, an elder maybe who ministers God's word, a kids ministry leader who's teaching our kids the Bible, here's the warning I think for us in this. Make people think that, that we have the key to knowledge and that they don't. Jesus would say, woe to us. Make them think that that they need to depend on us to understand the way of God's kingdom, to understand how to come into God's kingdom. Woe to us, Jesus would say. The key to God's kingdom is open to everyone. Yes, you maybe have the, the key in your hand, but everyone has the key in their hand. It's about instructing everyone about how to put that key into the door and turn that key and walk in. In this book, you have all that you need that pertains to life and godliness and living in the kingdom of God. Let's together, let's together help each other to understand what God's word really says. Let's together make sure that we are not blind to spiritual realities, but that we are walking in the light of Jesus Christ, in the truth of his word, together. Encourage each other in that this week. Think about how you can do that as we come into this new term in September, in your MCs. Think about how you, as a kids ministry leader maybe, can do that each Sunday as you teach our kids God's word. Think about how you can do it as, as you... Uh, minister to each other in core groups as you get together and as you read God's word, as you pray together to be shown by God the ways of his kingdom. This is is a hard passage. These are hard words from Jesus this morning, uncomfortable words. But do you see why Jesus Christ says them? Please, please see this most clearly. He doesn't say them to be harsh or to be scathing. He says them out of love. Love for those who are outside who he wants to bring in. He doesn't want people to be blind to what the Bible really says. 
He knows it's a deadly and dangerous kind of blindness. And so he wants to waken us up by saying the difficult things that maybe others wouldn't say, Jesus loves us too much, and he is willing to say them. So will we see clearly what he says to us this morning? Respond rightly, not the way the Pharisees and the experts in the law do. All they do is turn further away from Jesus and look for an opportunity to get rid of him. That's not the right response. Jesus says, hear my word, see my arms open, and graciously run to me. Find life in me. I pray that we would do that. Will you stand with me now? I'm going to pray for us and then invite us to come to the communion table. Lord, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us so much that you will never shy away from saying difficult things to us. We thank you that even in saying difficult things to us, you do it with a, an arm over our shoulder, drawing us back in towards you. Lord, if, if this morning we hear these words and we respond by taking that arm off our shoulder and pushing you away, that's on us, not you. That is our heart. I pray, Lord, if that's our response, if that's the way that we feel right now, Lord, that, that anyone who feels like that would see that, that you love them dearly, that you say these things not to pick holes in them, but actually to bring them towards you, to give them life in you. Lord, maybe we're someone here who's a Christian and, and we're aware of ways that we have been blind to what your word really says. I pray that as we come to the table, and we confess those ways we've gone astray, we would know that there is forgiveness in you, Jesus Christ. That you've done what is necessary for us to be cleansed, washed clean, pardoned from all of our sin. Lord, I pray we wouldn't come with our heads bowed low. We would come confessing and trusting that you are a God who offers salvation and life to us in Jesus Christ. We can walk out of here in that newness of life, in that forgiveness, in him. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these words. And I pray that you would transform our hearts, transform our lives by what we've heard and by what we've listened to. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.